Hello, welcome back to Creative Calls Podcast, the first episode of this wonderful year, 2018. I am David Myers, your host. We have something new, something brand spanking new, and I want everyone, all five of you, according to my guest today, (laughs) all five of you, or how many there are of you, to join it, and that is our Facebook page. I've been trying to devise a means to keep up um, or really be able to reach out to and connect with listeners of the show as well as promote the show um, using uh, all of y'all's networks. <laughs> uh, as you guys share this uh, podcast with other people, I'm hoping it's just going to continue to grow and to grow and to grow and to grow and I get to make more and more episodes. And uh, well, I mean, nobody's really paying me to do this right now. I just do this for fun. So it'd be nice to know that the episodes I am making and the content that I am making is getting around, it is uh, being listened to, because I think and I hope, I hope it's of great value. And you can help me make sure it is by being a part of that page, because I'm going to be posting on there every episode, and you can say, hey. This episode was really good. I like this. I want more of this. I want less of that. You know, stop giggling so much in your episodes. You giggle a lot. I know I giggle a lot. I know I say, um, I'm working on it. I'm going to go sign up with Toastmasters or something. Anyways, it would be good to hear. And that's what I intended for the show to be originally. I, I wanted it to be a medium for those who wanted to reach out to creative minds in my network that I could share them essentially um, as well as kind of you know selfishly get to bug them more often and ask them all sorts of annoying questions so I'm getting that half of my dream I don't want to be able to get the other half as well but today the episode that we have is the first of a two-parter episode experience that just kind of happened coincidentally both of these guests have worked in the realm of comic books, um, and as well as working for video game companies who are creating comic books to extend the video game universes that they uh, have already established. His name, or today's guest, his name is Charles Beecham. I've known Charles for a long time. We met. A long time ago when we were wee lads, and uh, in the past five years I've been scoping him out through my social media binoculars as he's gotten to do some pretty cool things. Um, first of which, I uh, was working for a little company called Marvel. Um, they make comic books and some pretty cool movies. They're owned by Disney. And when he worked there, he got to touch just about every single franchise underneath their roof. Um, I can't even list all of them off the top of my head. But he for sure got to touch the newly acquired franchise of Star Wars. And he and I both love Star Wars. We're Star Wars nerds. We talk a lot about Star Wars in the beginning of this episode. If you don't love Star Wars as much as we do, I apologize. Maybe this will help convert you. Maybe it won't, but regardless, we do stop talking about Star Wars at a certain point, and we move on to other things. But throughout the conversation of talking about Star Wars, we dissect the new movie, we talk about what we liked, what we didn't like, 
um, talk about maybe why they did things that mostly we talk about why they might have done things that I didn't like. Um, and Charles kind of, I don't know, it was a therapy session for me, helped me appreciate the movie, uh, the new movie, The Last Jedi, more than I previously did. Um, anyways, right now though, Charles is working at Activision, uh, under the Bungie franchise, or is it a sub-company? I don't know. So Activision, Bungie, and he's helping to launch their comic book line for Destiny. Um, yeah, which, there's Destiny 1, there's Destiny 2, there's probably going to be a Destiny 3 that's coming out. Some of you may have dabbled in the video games, some of you may have not. Regardless, <clears throat> there's pretty impressive comic book universes coming out in comics these days. But without further ado, let's dump, jump into the mind of Charles Beecham. So, to introduce you to people who are listening, um, you and I have known each other for a long time since I think you came, moved into the uh, area uh, where I still live um, when you were like 12 or Yeah. So, um, that's like the 80s to some of the kids these days, like what the 80s are to me. <laughs> that's like what the 2000s feel like to them. Um, oh, man. Right? <laughs> funny and uh anyways um since then you you've gone on to do uh some pretty cool stuff in your career one of which was you got to work at you know marvel and you got to work there when you know disney dropped that fat check and bought star wars a lucas film lucas arts and uh so you got to be a part of all that so before we dive in any of that, dying to know, and and uh, you, you might want to tame your answer for this. I don't know what you're going to say. Um, what did you think of the Last Jedi? Um, honestly, I really liked it. Um, oh, really? That that's a film. That's a film that requires multiple viewings to digest it. Um, because when I came out of the theater the first time, uh, after seeing it, like I, there were lots of things that I was like, and this is, and, and I think it, it comes from my background as a, as a person in narrative, um, as a storyteller, there were lots of things coming out of that film where I was like, why did they do that? Why did, right. why did they, and I don't, I don't know when you plan on publishing this, so I'm going to avoid speaking too many specifics um, unless you tell me I can speak, say, uh, talk you, spoilers. You can, right now. you can say whatever you want. I'll put a spoiler warning. I mean, look, if you haven't seen the movie yet, what are you doing? <laughs> like, okay. All right. So, so, you know, immediately coming out of it, I was like, I liked a lot of things. What were they doing with Finn? Finn was pointless in that film. Oh my um, gosh. No kidding. And, <laughs> and I was like, I hate Admiral Holdo. I get what they were going for. She's the worst. There's no reason why a, a supervising, you know, a commanding officer in the military should treat her subordinates the way that she was treating Poe, especially right. when her plan is to do what she was doing. Like, just tell people, let them be on board. Poe would have listened to you if you right. told him the plan. There's no reason to just be a jerk to Poe. Um, things like that. You know, I was kind of upset that 
Snoke just was inconsequential um, (laughs) and that we got nothing out of that because my, my training and my instinct as a storyteller is when you set something up, you should pay it off. Right. When you put a gun Um, on the stage, you better use it. Right. Um, Or have a very deliberate reason for not using it. Um, So there are things like that throughout. Um, And there, I mean, there are other things about tone that we could talk about, but, you know, specifically there were some big plot things that I just went, that doesn't, I don't understand. But after going back and watching it the second time, those things, because I, I think because I was expecting them, um, they didn't matter as much. And I really, really enjoyed the decisions that Ryan and, and let's face it, yeah, the way that these things work, that Ryan Johnson and, and Lucasfilm's story group, who I'm sure had a, a heavy hand in directing this story, uh, that, that they made. Um, yeah. I liked the trajectory that they're putting the franchise on. Um, the one thing that I will say that I haven't gotten over, or there are two things, um, I, I still completely don't like Admiral Holdo. I think that that should have been Leia's role from the beginning. And, and she, she like, it would have been a stronger send off oh. for that character. Um, that had more emotional resonance for, for the new characters that we've met and for the audience. The second thing that I, I still, I'm torn about because I don't like to do this personally. That film was very much about change, about letting go of the past and moving forward. Right. Right. And, and there were lots of, of, of in world things that they did like in the story that, that made that, that made that clear. But it was so meta. It was such a metaphor for, Star Wars, you know, hey, people in the real world who are watching this, Star Wars is going to change forever. This is a turning <laughs> point for us. And I was like, okay, I, I get it. Like, I get, I get what you're saying. You don't have to make every single plot line in this film and every single conversation about this idea that Star Wars is changing. Like, I, I get it. Now just let me watch Star Wars change. You don't have to tell me that it's changing. Somebody, you know what I mean? Like, right. Yeah. And, and it got preachy. Is, yeah. And it's, what's funny is I feel like both of those two things that I, that I still kind of get hung up on as I think about the film are, are things that pull me out of the story. Um, so what's the actress's name? Uh, Laura Dern, I think mm-hmm. is her name that played uh, Admiral Holdo. Um, yeah. As soon as she walked on screen, I was like, whoa, like, whoa, who are you? What, what are you doing here? You're in Jurassic Park. Why are you? What, who are you? Why are you here? And then, and, and, and then every time, you know, you have to let the past die, kill it if you must. This isn't going to go the way you planned or what the way you think, you know, like, okay. All right. Yes. I get, I get it. Star Wars is different. Gotcha. Yeah. Like, um, and, and and for me, like when I'm telling a story I, or, or helping someone tell a story, I want to make sure that we keep belief suspended. We want to we want to or or suspended disbelief. You know, like I want people to to feel like they're in it the entire time they're experiencing it, and not feel like oh I'm reading a story. Oh I'm 
reading a comic book. Oh, I'm watching a movie. I want them to feel like, like they're a part of the experience. So, right. Yeah. Star Wars is that, that, that did get shoved down your throat. And I, I think they were trying to push this, you know, let it die, let the past change, move on. But it just felt kind of like Disney, like is Emperor Palpatine and Star Wars is Anakin and they're just ripping it apart and putting <laughs> robot arms on it and like, see, it's still Star Wars, but we're it's it's not it felt very much like a Disney movie at the end of it for me. That was a, a problem I had. Yeah. Um I I don't know. I I think that one you have to you have to keep in mind if you go back and read um and I, I'm blanking on the name of the the book, but uh, it's like an introspective uh, on George Lucas's creative process back back to A New Hope. Yeah. His intention was for Star Wars to be a Disney movie. He, he <laughs> said so when he was when he was pitching it to studios. He's like, it's uh, it's, it's like a Disney movie. Um, those are those are his words. Oh, wow. So so, so that's one thing Two, um the only way for any franchise, I mean, uh, unless you're, a, a, and there are some people who are this way, unless you're a person who, who just wants Star Wars to be done, uh, who wanted, who was, who, who, who just wanted, you know, Hollywood to move on and to let there be no more Star Wars. Um, you have to understand that the way story and franchises work uh, and Marvel's been doing this for years, is that you're going to... There's going to be a repetition of themes. You know, there's going to be... A, like, the Empire is always going to be there in some form or another. The Jedi and the Rebellion are going to have to rise up in some form or another to defeat them, but they're not going to win because 30 years later or 60 years later, or 150 years later, you know, some yeah. crazy, some other crazy bad guy is going to go to the dark side and have to be talked down or, or killed, you know? Right. And, and I think, at least for me, the only, like, quote-unquote, this feels like a Disney thing to me was the, <clears throat> and we can all agree, like, the the Canto Bite stuff. Like that was like, what is this? This makes no sense. You put us here in this area and talked about the about war crimes and introduced these cat horses so that you could make a cat horse toy. Um and I don't care about that. And no one cares about that, and that's okay. Um it was funnier than Star Wars typically is. Or and the way they used humor is different. But I don't know that that's a Disney thing so much as that's a they brought in a director and let him do his thing thing and 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 honestly like for me the fact that disney bought star wars is like it's great um yeah. there's like i know that they're going to treat the property at least in my view they're treating the property with respect they're trying to find find new ways to tell stories and to open things up. What I don't like, like I said, is that they felt the need to beat me over the head with a metaphor that wasn't a metaphor in the film about how they're opening things up. Um, 
<laughs> and but but that said, like it's part of the business. It's part of storytelling. Regardless of what what us really hardcore Star Wars fans might want or think or expect, they're not going to make Star Wars films if they're not going to make money. And for them to continue making money, they've got to do different things. And guess what, guys? Like, we already gave them our money. And I know a lot of these people on the internet who complain about it. They went to see it a second time and will buy it when it comes out on Blu-ray and are going to buy the toys and are going to go see episode nine and are going to go see episode 15, 35 years from now. Like it's going to happen. Like, like you can complain about it all you want, but like we still love star Wars. So like, just enjoy it. Um, right. That's me. That's, that's, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. The, um, the truth. So I, I realize that if if the film had been made for me, it may have been received at the box office in the same way that, say, the last Blade Runner movie did, in that it was a beautiful movie. It was true to what the fans probably wanted, but nobody else wanted it. <laughs> so nobody else really went and saw it. It's a, it's a business at the end of the day that they're yeah. trying to turn a profit and, and keep a saga going. There, there were a few issues that I had with the movie and that was kind of like the tone and direction of characters. Like even so force awakens, I came out of that movie and I, I really struggled. In fact, I've like rewritten that movie in the way I wanted it to see. One of the things that our time was with was uh, Han Solo and his character where I felt that they, they wanted to bring Han Solo back on in the same way that he was presented in a new hope. So they forced him to be a smuggler again. And, and it was just like a huge, like, like at the end of the movie, I was like, when he got killed by Kylo, I was like, good, you deserve it. Yeah. But I think, I, I think that to a point, like, isn't that what you were supposed to, I mean, you're supposed to be sad that son, that Han dies. Right. But like, right. To a point, the, the whole, like the whole thing with the force awakens and even the last Jedi is that like, after, after so many years, these heroes who were heroes, they, they kind of failed um, in that, in that, you know, they saved the galaxy once. And then in trying to maintain that, that order, trying to, to, to really rebuild things, mm -hmm. they kind of failed. Um, Han tried to settle down and tried to be a good dad. But when he was faced with the ultimate adversity, like his kid going to the dark side, you know, yeah, he couldn't, he and Leia didn't weather that Han ran away. Right. Yeah. And, and if you think about it, what, like what we learned in, I mean, we learned this in the last Jedi, like Han, Luke said Han was Han about it. Like Leia, Leia wanted me to train Ben Han right. was, he was Han about it. Like, when I think about how would, how did Han Solo respond to that one, he was probably after all that time, he was like, yeah, I don't want my son to go off and learn all that hooey. Yeah. And two, no, like you're not going to like take my, you know, like, like you're, you're not going to take him off. Like he's my son. He's going to stay with me, you know? And, and then there's the, the, the thought that, um, 
that he, you know, because he's Han, he he probably didn't voice that well enough. Mm-hmm. He was just taking Leia's lead as, you know, as he kind of does. Um, right. And and so then after that, he's wrapped with all this guilt because you know, he he probably could have done more and been more to to his son and and to influence that decision. Um and so then after that because he's Han and he's a human being, yeah. he's like, okay, well, I can't, I can't stay here and face the music. And Leia's grieving, and I'm grieving, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna run off now. Like, I feel like we forget that there's 30 years, maybe not 30 years, but you know, like there's, there's a lot of years of, of character development that happens between the films, and, and like people change and people grow and people recede. And, you know, as, as, as we learned in, in last Jedi, like Luke became super powerful. Right. Right. But he also was still that kind of just crappy teenage kid who had these lofty ideas and never learned how to, to focus on the here and the now. And um, he was kind of impulsive. Um, you know, that moment that we see in, you know, th- th- that moment of conflict between uh, him and, and Ben Kenobi, uh, not Ben Kenobi, uh, Ben Solo, that, that mm-hmm. they referred to several times and then showed us in, in some flashbacks. Um, like that moment for me was like very much like when, when Luke left Dagobah in uh in in empire um yeah it was a moment where dude like you you can't just do the thing that comes to your mind right like you've gotta (laughs) you gotta think about the implications and he ended up making things worse in both cases you know um i i think that and and i know that it's star wars it's myth and we want to we want to idealize characters but yeah. what's interesting to me, and this is why I, I, I've always been more of a Marvel fan than a DC fan. What's more interesting to me is characters who are realistic, characters who make mistakes the way that we make mistakes. Um, and, and I think that that's kind of what the new era of Star Wars is doing. They're showing characters with folly. And it's, I don't know, it's interesting uh, to me. And I, I do enjoy that. So... I, I do like that. I think what I wanted to see more of was kind of a a grandfathering of the characters that we because I mean they had their moment to have the follies and the mess ups and everything like that in the original trilogy, um, and I wanted to see them kind of like for instance, do you follow? Did you ever watch the um, the Avatar series with with Korra? Yeah. Okay, so you get to see. Um, uh, Zuko coming right, and yep. and you're like, holy crap! He's this old. He's been uh, uh, Fire Lord for the Fire Nation for forever, and he's he doesn't feel quite like Zuko anymore. But you know that he is. But he he's he's there to be kind of like this guiding force. And I kind of wanted to see that more with the characters and more mistakes made. Um, like for instance, you know they, they did a Finn. You know he's this guy who's in this growth and he's learning and he's progressing. I kind of wanted a little bit more of that from Ray, um, who I, I feel like 
she's okay for instance this so in the in the in the movie in the storyline you're going through and i i counted up the timeline so let's say that in the first movie that spans three from when we uh see jakku get attacked to when ray goes and meets luke skywalker and then the movie pretty much picks up right from that spot Mm -hmm. and and then let's say that movie this last movie lasted the span of three to four days there's no way eight 18 hours of fuel which is okay insane that was my other big thing yeah that was that was a problem (laughs) never never give a specific amount of time like that (laughs) yeah don't ever okay (laughs) so then it didn't even it wasn't even for a day wasn't even for a day she went from that it never touched a lightsaber to being a trained Jedi within less than a week. And it was odd a little bit um, at how quick the progress happened. Um, so I, I struggled with the timeline on that. But uh, another thing was with the resistance, you, you see Starkiller base get destroyed. And uh, you're like, holy crap, you know, this, <laughs> if, if we're thinking about economically, they sunk a lot of money into this thing and it just crashed. It's gone. But they're more powerful than the resistance who should be working off of the remnants of Republic. And they have like literally five ships and nobody else shows up. Nobody else helps them. And so I struggled with that because it was like, nobody cares. Should I care? Um, yeah, I th- so I don't know what your thoughts are on that. I think that there's some... Uh... First, I'll speak to your, to your actual concerns. Um, and I don't want to spend the whole time as much as I love Star Wars. I know there right. are other questions for me. Um, <laughs> so I don't want to spend the whole time debating back and forth the problems of the new, uh, the new Star Wars trilogy. Um, right. But, okay, so first, um, no, I, 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 totally, I, I totally get what you're saying <laughs> with, uh, with Ray's yeah. progression. Um, but I guess for me, one of the big things that I've, I've had to not – every, not every person in story feels this way. But one of the things that I, I feel is, is so important as a consumer of media um, and as a creator of media is that sometimes we, we have to let things go. Um, let them die. <laughs> No, it's 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 more of a it's more of a guys. We're watching a film that supposedly took place a long time ago in a galaxy, in a galaxy far, 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 far away, away. Where, according to the laws of physics, you can have a sword made of light that just stops. Okay, <laughs> we have no problem accepting that. So why are we talking about physics? and economics and right. and why does it matter if there are fuel cells and why you know like i i will concede it was a not a good decision to say they've got 18 hours of fuel that 
that was stupid. You don't do that because you've <laughs> limited yourself. And now everyone's going to go, what? This whole thing took place in 18 hours? Ryan Johnson, Lucasfilm, you made a mistake with that. There's right. no getting around that, right? But beyond that, Ray's abilities, like, why can't we just concede that, um, hey, she might be the most powerful Jedi that we've ever seen. Um, not for anything, Luke had zero training using the Force, right? Mm-hmm. And sure, he used to bullseye womp rats from his T-16 back <laughs> home. But it's not the same as flying an X-Wing fighter on the surface of a giant battle station, you know, and he just right. used the force. And so he did it, you know, like, <laughs> and no one has any problem with that now because Luke Skywalker is the Messiah and he can't be touched. But Ray, because she's new and unknown, she's got to earn it. Um, I disagree. I think that Ray is amazing. Um, I hope she's more powerful than Luke Skywalker, uh, because if she's not, then the franchise can't continue to thrive. You know, right. we need characters well, that can be bit bigger and better. Right. So with with Ray, it's not that she has to earn it; it's that okay. So with, when you look at the the prequels to the original trilogy the force powers are all over the place. Like you see them being used, like, you know, they're, they're just take it for granted almost. Right. And then the original trilogy, the sword fights. Okay. They, they got a little bit better, but they, they, they were not as spectacular as in the prequels. They had, you know, Lucas said he wanted more heft behind the sabers. And so that in the end though, does it, what is that? It makes it force a little bit more, a little bit more contact of the use of it. It felt mm-hmm. more expensive. Is that, if that makes sense? Like it, it, it came at a cost. Totally. And um, when I, we, we see Ray come in, she has no experience from this and uh, she's never held the lightsaber and she comes in and she, you know, just kicks butt all of a sudden you, you kind of take it for granted. And it's like, well, I guess, Anybody can be. You, you kind of want a reason why she is. And then Kylo says, and I hope this is just Kylo lying to her. Um, your parents are nobodies. Um, I want her to fit into the Skywalker storyline because she's in the Skywalker saga. I don't want her to just be a junker. <laughs> a- well, I can tell you this. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think that she's, I think she is nobody. Um, and I think she's nobody out of necessity for the story to continue um, and for the story to continue in the way that they've envisioned that she's that it's not the Skywalker, that Star Wars is no longer the story of the Skywalkers. And and tell me and let me tell you, like. I love the Skywalkers and I one of my big complaints coming out of my first viewing of Jedi of The Last Jedi was I want a more, like, I wanted to see a more, I don't know, like a more focused send-off for the Skywalkers, you know? If we're moving forward and doing something different, I want to see 
the Skywalkers really taking, you know, at the helm of this story, which we, which, you know, at this point I know is not going to happen, except that Ben, Ben Solo is still there. Right. Um, Here's what I was going to, so, so what I was going to say about, about force powers and, and fandom in general. One of the things that makes fandom so great is being able to internalize and, and subscribe to all of the, you know, and we'll, we'll call it canonical rules, right? Like this is how the force works. And when you build a lightsaber, uh, you know, you have to go and, and get a, a pure kyber crystal and use the force to cut it and all this. But guess what? When you're telling a story, um, sometimes you got to break the world to, to make things move forward. And just because fans, like fans, we feel a sense of ownership over a thing. Right. And we'll go, this is how it was. This is how I've seen it already. And so this is how it always is. And this is how it always will be. Yeah. The real world doesn't work that way. Um, and things and, and things change and we have to be okay with things changing in the world of our fandom. Um, because storytellers, most of them are fans and, and, I, I'm sure that they don't make these decisions lightly. Oh, well, what if yeah. I, what if Ray doesn't need a whole lot of training to be a Jedi? And I could be wrong. Maybe she is a Skywalker or a Solo or a, a Kenobi or a Palpatine or, you know, whatever. <laughs> Maybe. But, Maybe. But if she is just a junker, like she's just a junker. Before we saw the prequels, Luke Skywalker, sure, his dad was was Darth Vader. But when we saw, if we just take A New Hope in the context of A New Hope, right? Right. Luke was nobody. He was a nobody from nowhere. And we were okay with that. And he did a great thing at the end of this film, right? Right. So, Ray being a nobody from nowhere, the reason that she's got, like that people have all these expectations for her and her abilities isn't focused on what's happening in the world. Yeah. That's all expectation that's been built by us context in the real world. Right. So again, it goes back to that point for me, like as, as a person who, who tells stories and a person who enjoys stories, I'm focused on what's happening in the world. Does it work in the world? And to me, I say Ray absolutely works in the world. I think she's amazing. Kylo Ren also works in the world. He's amazing. He's crazy. I'm so excited to see what happens with him. Like this dark side dude, completely unbridled by a master, completely unbridled by anything. You know, he's at the helm of what is essentially the empire, right? right? We've never we've never seen that before. Yep. Palpatine like was kind of lurking in the shadows, puppeteering people, you know? Right. Kylo Ren's not gonna be that way. He's like That's, Darth Vader at the helm. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be insane. Um so I, I, I guess 
end of Star Wars rant for me is just like we have to we have to learn how to let story exist as story. Um, yeah. Because that's like the whole reason that we go to these things is for an escape from the real world. But then if we take our outside knowledge of all the things that are happening in the background in the real world and apply that to the story and make that the bar for which story is measured against, like we're never going to be able to enjoy it. Like, um, and it's about what's happening with the characters, what's happening with the environment that the characters are in. Um, and if you still like, if you go at, if you approach it that way, and again, not that I'm, I know everything about how to enjoy a story, but if you approach it, at least for me, if you approach it from that way and you still don't like it, then you don't like it, and that's fine. Yeah. So. Yeah, you're not gonna like everything. I mean, even the original trilogies, you're gonna have ones that you enjoyed more. Uh, but so with the Star Wars rant that we've got going on here, people, if you're still with us. <laughs> Like there's there's absolute nuggets in of, of gold to find here. I mean, just within Star Wars itself, it's a cultural phenomenon. And approaching it from a creative mind and analyzing mm-hmm. the story, analyzing its makeup, analyzing um, the characters, um, I I feel like it's been super important for me as a I see Star Wars everywhere in fact i feel like i i keep comparing things to star wars um and say well that was just star wars dressed up in this kind of a costume and sometimes it is and uh you've got all these different archetypes that you find uh between luke and han and leia um c3po r2d2 and archetypes being taken and put in all in stories everywhere from Batman to Spider-Man to uh, the Lego movie, even some, uh, some sense. So it, I feel like Star Wars is a huge factor in my career. Um, and I, I can't stress that enough. Yeah, man. Uh, I, I, I mean, you and I grew up, you know, sketching our own lightsabers and, you know, I, I remember, you know, meeting up at different stuff and being like, oh, dude, check out this lightsaber that I drew. And this is right. what my Jedi robes would look like if I wore Jedi robes. Like, yeah, I mean, Star Wars, Star Wars for me is the end all be all. It is it is everything um, when it comes to story. Um, I, I I love Star Wars and, and I agree. I think that it's 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 got. It, it is our modern myth. Like there's, there's nothing that compares in the way that, you know, compares to it at, at right. all. Like, yeah. like Star Wars is our modern myth. Um, and that's part of the reason why for me, I, I like, I try and step back and go, okay, what is, what is this story saying about today? And, and, you know, have me back for another time and we can talk about some of the things that I think this, you know, Jedi did last Jedi, I should say did uh, when in the, in the way of, of um, social commentary on the world that we're living in today. Cause I think that there was some really cool stuff. And if it wasn't intentional um, while, while Ryan Johnson and Lucasfilm, you guys were lucky, but I think it was intentional stuff. Um, 
but we can talk about that more later. I right. <laughs> we, we, we talked a lot of Star Wars today. <laughs> and right. I'm sure we're not done because, like I said, it's everything for me. So <laughs> Right. But I think for this conversation, we've, uh, we've force choked it to death. So <laughs> Yes, we have. We let the past die. Let the, let the let past, past die. die. Everything be new. So uh, going back to um, just a burning question is that it was all of a sudden like people are like, oh, Charles is working at Marvel. And my question <laughs> in my mind was like, what? What did he go on monster.com and respond to the job offer? Did he go knock on the door? How did you get a job at Marvel? Um, it, uh, honestly, a lot of it was luck and knowing the right people um, and getting to know the right people. Um, so I, I studied journalism um Mm -hmm. and you know i i i grew up reading comics um and and i got like really into comics in uh in college in a way that i hadn't even when i was younger um and i didn't realize until uh until my my like senior year of of school that i could work in comics as you know like my my training as a journalist translated perfectly into being a comic book editor and and so like after my internship i I interned at the new york daily news uh back you know years and years ago um not years and years ago i'm not that old (laughs) (laughs) feels like i i interned at yeah i interned at the new york daily news and worked on their entertainment desk and i had the opportunity to work with um some really really great people there and my mentor, uh, Ethan Sachs, um, he, you know, I, I kept in contact with him. Um, and when I was finishing up school, you know, there just happened to be postings at Marvel for assistant editors. Um, and I applied for it uh, and asked Ethan if he knew anybody who could, you know, could help me out uh, in getting an interview. And he reached out and I got an interview. I did not get the job. Um, I, I did not get the job and I ended up working at a parenting magazine for a year and a half and it was great. I continued writing and, you know, I did lots of stuff with superhero stuff at this parenting magazine. I always tried to find a way to kind of write about things that I loved. Um, but I kept in contact with the people that I met during my interviews at Marvel. Um, and just like, you know, as I was reading books, I'd like, I'd email and say, Hey, you know, I, I picked up, uh, I picked up the last issue of all new X-Men and I thought it was really great. Uh, it was so, so fun. Um, battle of the atom was cool. Um, I'm like, <laughs> I would have done this thing, um, instead of that thing, but you know, I, I still thought it was really fun, you know, like that, like that kind of thing. I just kept in touch. Um, right. and, and eventually a job opened up, you know, it wasn't very long. It was like another, another year and a half. Um, and, a job opened up and they reached out to me and asked me if I want to come in and interview for it. I did. Um, and the interview process was long. Um, and it was probably not as long as it felt, but, right. you know, but I, uh, I, I got the job and I worked there for three years and change. And it was, it was great. Um, I, I got to work with the most, I, I, and I, I maintain, I think comic book, Writers are, especially at Marvel, they are some of the smartest people in the game. Hmm. Uh, these are people who know story and how to craft story 
in a way that no one else does. Like no one else does things the way that Marvel comics writers and editors do. Um, and, and I was just in awe of the fact that I was able to be there with them. And I don't, and I'm not saying that as, as if to say that I am one of those people who is so amazing at telling stories because I'm very <laughs> yeah. humble about, I'm very humble in that I, I don't think that I'm on their level and it was amazing to be able to be there and to learn from them and to learn with them. Um, and it shaped my ability, I think, and shaped my understanding of story. Um, so yeah, it was, it was really cool. It was, so what it comes down to is I knew I, I, I kind of had the idea I wanted to do it and I worked my network and I stayed in touch with people uh, and it happened. When, when you mean work your, so work your network, that was after you had, uh, gone in and met people inside Marvel, right? Uh, both or was that before? before? Both before and after. Um, okay. So I, you know, because my with my internship at the New York Daily News, um, I knew that my mentor Ethan that he knew he knew people at Marvel because he wrote about Marvel comics often, mm-hmm. um, and he wrote about film the Marvel films and the DC right. films. Like I knew that he knew people, um, and I asked him for help in, in making contact. Uh, I would not have gotten that inter- my first interview with Marvel if not for Ethan. Okay. Um, and, and then after that, once I made contact with people at Marvel, I stayed in contact with them and, and continued to how do build you, a relationship. How did you do that without, uh, so I, I'm sure you probably felt the beginning a little apprehension cause you're like, I don't want to blow this. How did you strategically do it without feeling like you were bugging them? Like I said, every, you know, once they told me that I didn't, and they, they, you know, they were responsive. They let me know, like, yeah, you know, we moved with another candidate. Uh, you were great. There was, you know, your resume looked great. Uh, you seem like a nice kid. Um, it just, you know, we, we, we hired someone else for this particular position, someone who thought it was a better fit. And as you know, I was, I, I was grateful for their response and I said, thanks for the opportunity. Um, if it's okay, you know, I'd like to stay in touch. Um, and, uh, you know, periodically and just say, you know, and, and, and see how things are going and please keep me in mind for, for other positions in the future. And, and, you know, it wasn't every week, it wasn't every month. It was, Oh, I read this book that Nick Lowe edited and I'm going to keep in I'm going to tell him how great I thought it was or, Hey, I'm going to be at a, at the comic book convention. Um, do you want to meet up to get coffee kind of thing? Yeah. And, you know, it's a thing that my, uh, another one of my, my good friends and mentors, his name is Bryce Randall. He's a, he's an editor, uh, a film editor. Um, I think he's at Disney now. Um, but he, uh, he was key in, in kind of guiding me through that, you know, through that process of what's too much, and, hmm. and what's and what's not enough um and and really it just comes down to like like you shouldn't expect a response every time that you that you email someone uh just networking and it shouldn't yeah. and you shouldn't necessarily be asking for anything right um that's i think that's one of the big the, the big mistakes that that like if you're too frequent and you're expecting a response 
and you are asking them to do something for you every time, asking you to react to something, um, that's kind of when you get into the territory of, of being annoying, you know? Um, but just reaching out and saying, Hey, I enjoyed this thing. And, um, you know, if you're going to be at the same place as them and in comic comics is a little weird because we have conventions and it's, it's a really easy way for the fans to interact with creators. Um, but you know, if you're like, Hey, we're going to be, I'm going to be at this convention. If you're there, I'd love to, you know, I'd love to sit down and, and, uh, and buy you a cup of coffee or something. Um, like that's not, that's not weird or annoying. And most human beings are going to be like, cool. Or they're going to be like, no, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm busy, but thanks for keeping in touch. And it's right. just about, it's just about being a person. And yeah. yeah. So it's like a, you know, kind of like at Christmas, right. You know, think about what you're giving rather than what you're receiving. If you have expectations, they're going to detect that like uh, pretty quickly. Like when you, them something and you're you're teasing for a response from them instead of just mm-hmm. saying hey i really appreciated that that was awesome uh keep it up i i love this this and this you know and uh yep. you're, you're you're providing them value and not expecting a return um and you might run the risk of being annoying i guess but either it's going to work or it's not at that yeah yeah okay yeah that's uh that's something i mean i've wondered about um how you strategically do that. I, I feel like I have this kind of ingrained program that I'm programmed idea that I'm automatically going to annoy somebody that has caused me to communicate too little. And that has, hurt, <laughs> that has hurt me <laughs> um, both uh, in, you know, with people that I, I, I missed opportunities to get to meet and also, you know, in my career professionally that I, I didn't communicate enough. Um, to one person. So I'm trying to work on that to over communicate a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's all, it's all balancing act. And like you can, you know, one of the things that Bryce, who's like this master uh, and he, he might be another person who, who you might want to invite onto this. Cause he's, he's right. great. He's way smarter than I'll ever be. Um, <laughs> he, one of the things that he, like, he's a master networker, right? And, mm-hmm. and he, he does this thing where he like when, when people are responsive to him and like he has ongoing conversations with them, he communicates with them more frequently. And then if someone, you know, if it takes like if, if a person only responds to him once every two months, then he kind of like puts them in their in the spreadsheet of only contact this person once every two months, you know. Right. And. And so, like, he just kind of learns what people are comfortable with and, and measures and keeps, co- uh, keeps track of what people are comfortable with and, and communicates with them that much um, right. so, that, so that there is no risk. He's not running any risk of being annoying. It's like, oh, they've only emailed me back this many times this frequently, so I'm only going to communicate with them that much. Uh, he's super smart. Um, one of the most creative dudes I know um, – I, I, again, highly recommend that you, you reach out and talk to him. Um, I'll okay. give you his contact. Yeah, definitely. I love you, Bryce. <laughs> Please listen to this podcast. Share with all your friends. <laughs> Thank you much. <laughs> uh, 
just wiped my brain of the next question I was going to ask. Darn it. <laughs> um, yeah. So at Marvel, what were some of the uh, things that you felt you like? Uh, I feel like within the first month, you just you're, you're overwhelmed. You're, you just learn a ton, or you you realize you don't know enough, so you feel uh-huh. like you need to learn a ton. What were some uh-huh. of those things that kind of hit you like, oh, my gosh, I need to know this, 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 and this? Um, I mean, the biggest thing going into Marvel that I was like, oh, man, I don't know anything is is sequential storytelling. Like, it's a, it's a very – the comics are a visual medium. In most cases, in every case, I, I'd say um, – maybe not every case. In most cases – you want to be able to glean what the story is without any words on the page. Mm-hmm. You know, like you should be able to tell what's happening and follow a story without reading any words. And I did not come from a visual, like a background of visual media. I, mm-hmm. I, I came from literature, you know, from, from writing. Um, yeah. And that was a thing that I had, I still don't know that I'm there. Um, I'm, but, but, you know, I worked on it. Uh, Marvel had some, some great people in our, you know, our talent management recruiting department. And um, uh, one guy, uh, one of our, our talent management guys, uh, Ricky Purden, like he spent a lot of time working with us, uh, with all of the editors and, and, and honing our ability to, to find, uh, good artists and to recognize good artists and on how to art direct good and, and uh, you know, maybe not so good artists. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, and so that, that was the thing that I had to work a, a lot on. Um, also um, one thing that you've, you know, and, and coming from a, a background in journalism as a, as an editor of, of news stories, when something doesn't work, you just take your red pen and you fix it. Right. Um, and in comics and, and really any kind of real, like creative writing, that's not really the best way to do things. Um, and, and so that was the thing that I had to kind of adjust is, is, I'm collaborating. I'm, I'm, it's kind of creative project management in a way. So like I, I work with the, the writer and work with the artists to, to tell their story. And if I find something and I go, you know, I don't know why this particular beat isn't working or I do mm-hmm. know why this particular beat's not working. Um, why don't you take another stab at it? Or, or here's kind of what I think where this needs to go what do you think let's let's work this out together it's you know so it's much more um it's much more collaborative in that way it's not just nope this is this sentence i don't like it let's get rid of it and sometimes it's that when when it's like no we're not swearing in a spider-man comic book or or, you know like that that kind of (laughs) stuff um yeah I don't know. Right. It, it was. It was. I. I. I learned a lot. Um. I. It, it's funny. Um. My, my. One of my. One of my bosses while I was at Marvel. Uh, she. Um. She worked with me so much to help me. Help me 
figure out how to give really strong notes to to writers in way in a way that they would be receptive uh, because it's it's super personal you know like when you're sitting down and you're writing a story um you're you're putting a, a piece of yourself you know into that you know and, and right. it's hard when someone comes to you and goes yeah this thing that you thought was going to speak to people doesn't speak to anyone and people are just <laughs> aren't going to get that and and there's right. like you have to be sensitive and and figure out the best ways to communicate things like that to a writer um and 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 she you know my boss Sana she she's amazing at that she she's the best at that so right yeah, yeah. the um it, it so being flip side be being a designer i've had people who have been very good at that and people have been very not good at that <laughs> <laughs> and in between and people yeah. think that as a creative i should be able to come in there and tell you it sucks and you should have the humility to figure it out. And that does not work. That does not work. Like you can't go in and, and, you know, throw poop at something I did and then send me away and expect me to be creative with it. You're going to destroy yeah. my, my confidence. It's uh, it's, it's, I, you have to be direct with people. Um, but and objective, there's, <laughs> there's a way to be direct and to be constructive um, right. And, and that, and that to me, like, I think it's all, it's a, especially in storytelling, um, you have to understand the intent. What, what is the writer intending to do? What is their right. goal? And then you go, okay, here's how, here's how you're achieving that. And here's how you're not achieving that. Right. Let's take the things that that are holding you back from achieving that and fix them so that they are adding to. Right. Because uh, otherwise, you're like attacking symptoms. Yeah, and that's the yeah. thing. That's a, uh, that's the thing that that honestly, people who are untrained in in managing creatives and working with creatives, they do. They go, no, here's a problem. This is like this. I don't like this or this looks ugly to me, or I don't know why this line, this line just doesn't work for me. Right. Okay. Well, that's not helpful to anyone. And now I'm no. going to go be sad about it because you hate what I did. Um, right. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's uh that that's important to the, uh, so even as a designer on the opposite side of the criticism, um, both sides have a responsibility to be objective. And if you came in and you asked a writer, why did you do that? What was your intent? And they say, I, I don't know. I just kind of went with it. There's some cases where they can say, I just had this gut feeling like that was kind of what it was I was going for. But you still got to explain what it is you were going for. If there's no objective intent or purpose behind it, um, then you can't have an objective conversation about it. It's going to become subjective and it's going yep. to be come a, a political battle. Um, yep. And even in like, so you can apply that to even typical everyday life. Like if you're getting a conversation at a family or get together or somewhere with a friend and like it, it, you start talking about politics, I find with people, I say, 
you know, well, for forget about what you think Congress is or isn't. Forget about what you think about this legislation or about this politician or whatever. Like, what what are your what are your goals? What what do you want to see in this country? And most of the time, time, we all want to see the same thing. And uh, we uh, so you know you, you attack intent and you align your with each other and you realize we're both on the same team and then the conversation does it becomes less hostile totally and i i think that i think that um oftentimes at least in in my line of work um there are times where writers will write a thing and they'll go i just know i had a gut feeling and and they don't know what the intent was and you have to go okay well like part of my job is to recognize intent and, and to find intent and to find a focus of a story. Right. So it's like, Oh, so you started in this place and you have this character, um, searching for, you know, they're, they're searching, they're searching for their parents, you know, and what is the, like, what is the, the metaphor there? And, and, but then you have this, this subplot over here where they're doing this other thing that has nothing to do with this, but you know, 75% of your story is about them looking for that thing that's lost. Well, then I think that's our focus, right? And they go, oh yeah, I guess you're right. Or no, 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 that's not what I want the story to be about. And then, and then we have the conversation of, okay, well, then we need to go back to the drawing board or in many cases, well, sorry, that's what the story's about now because we are, we're, <laughs> we're on deadline and you already wrote this. And so you got to figure out how to, how to fix it. <laughs> right. Um, so. Kind of like a King advi- King's advisor sort of role. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say anything too bad or else you can slice off your head. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> So I mean, you got into Marvel, but this was not your first lightning strike where you did something that made the rest of us go, what? <laughs> uh, as, as kids growing up, you were singer-songwriter. Um, you know, you played the guitar. And for a long time, I don't know if you sensed it, there was this little war to see who could play the guitar better between you and me <laughs> <laughs> at least there was for me i was like charles did, he just played i gotta learn how to play that I'm gonna, I know, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna i'm gonna learn how to play that i'm gonna learn how to play this i'm gonna show him and then, and then you show me but you were always better at writing songs than i was i would like <laughs> i would like create um a song that i liked m- musically on the guitar but then trying to put words to it was impossible and you were always much better than that um but your, anyways, this is going off rails of where I'm trying to go. Your absolute favorite band was Yellow Card. Yeah. Um, right? Yeah. And one, all of a sudden one day, I remember we were at a church youth function, and you came running up to me with a CD, a, a burned CD. And uh, you're like, dude, you got to listen to this with me. And I was like... I've I've already listened to Yellow Card's album. I know what it is. It's like, no, this is an album they haven't released yet. <laughs> I was like, what? And I was like, found out like you were like friends with the band, and they were sharing unreleased albums with you. And wow. I was like, so <laughs> a year. This is this is myth that you've b- built in your head. 
they never gave me unreleased music. That was uh, that. <laughs> Maybe it that was, was. I don't remember. That was in the days of the uh, of the the you know the yet un uncultured Charles who would find in music on the dark recesses of the internet. <laughs> but I still bought it, children. I still <laughs> bought it when it came out. Um, okay. But, uh, so but, maybe but, that. Yeah. But we were friends. Right. There was friendship there, uh, specifically with the violinist, Sean. Right. So you, you, it seemed like there was a rapport of some sort because I remember stories flying around about you and Matt and like playing basketball with him when he came into town to tour. But yep. then a, a few days ago on the inter- internets, I came across an article about Ryan Key writing for Marvel uh, with his take on Venomverse. Yep. And I was like, is there a connection here? I mean, you've got a Charles over here, loves Yellow Card, and you've got yes. the lead singer from Yellow Card. How did that, what was that all about? So, um, my first, j- just, a little tale in serendipity. Um, my, my like third week at Marvel, I'm sitting at my desk trying to figure out how to, you know, how to comic book. And, and I look down the hallway and Ryan key <laughs> was walking down the hallway. Um, and I was like, wait, what, <laughs> what, what? Um, he, uh, there's, as as happens sometimes you know people who are you know famous people who are fans of comics ask to stop in at the office or or are asked to stop in at the office for a tour and to do the the marvel podcast and it just so happened that you know shortly after i started he uh he was out on a press tour promoting uh one of their records and he came into the office and um it was cool. And, you know, I kind of, he mentioned at that point that he would love to write something at some point. And, you know, we had just had, uh, we just had Gerard Way write something for us. The, the singer Who's that? Of, uh, of what is that band? My Chemical Romance. Oh, okay. Um, and he, you know, Gerard Way is like huge. Like he, he has been doing comics for a while, but yeah, um, looks like it. Um, yeah. So when Ryan came in, and this is when I was brand new and I had no clout and no ability to ca- cast writers or anything, but he'd mentioned, you know, he'd, he'd be interested in doing something at some point. And I just always kept that in the back of my mind. And I had, uh, his, um, I had his, uh, press manager, his publicity manager's, uh, email. And, you know, a, a few years down the road, I had the opportunity to, to do something, um, you know, a one shot story. And I was like, Oh, you know who what might be good for this is Ryan. And I reached out <laughs> and, um, and he was into it and he wrote a story and it was cool to be able to, uh, um, it was cool to be able to work with him on, on a, a story. You know, I always, as a kid, I was always like, one day I'm going to, write a song with Ryan key. That'll be really cool because I want to be a rock star and I'm going to be a rock star and he is a rock star and we'll write a song together and it'll be neat. Um, and that didn't happen. 
but he said <laughs> we made a comic book together and uh it was it was really neat um you know uh you you never know where life's going to take you and the people who you're going to be able to cross paths with right that's crazy yeah the <laughs> and it's crazy that i stumbled across that article because i i i don't read all about comics and the world of comics very often. I have no idea how that came across <laughs> my plate. I've probably just following articles on Zerg or whatever it is that uh, they like to feed you another article. But um, yeah, I just thought that was, I, I knew that it's like, okay, Charles is at Marvel. Ryan Key did something for Marvel. There's no way that they Marvel would have stopped him from not being a part of that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was, it was, it was because of me. Right. It was like my. I was like, okay, I can die now. I'm. I'm. Good. I can leave. <laughs> I can leave here happy. Um, I've. I've accomplished the thing. You peaked. Uh, <laughs> yep. That's awesome. And it, it, when I saw that it was Venomverse, I love Spider-Man. Everything Spider-Man and Venom mm-hmm. was always my favorite. Um, and the symbiote stories with Carnage. Uh, and I think a lot of people obviously loved it because Marvel just keeps picking up on uh, Venom. They even got Agent Venom or something like that now. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, all sorts of new symbiotes, anti-Venom. And anyways, kids, go out there and read your comics. <laughs> do better than I do at reading them. Mm-hmm. Are, there good, well, are there good platforms you would recommend for keeping up with comics? Because I feel like you know, there, there, there's so much out there that it's hard to and that it's that they produce it's hard to keep up with everything yeah so one of the coolest things that marvel has right now um and i uh it is is uh the marvel unlimited service so it's a uh it's it's a monthly subscription service i think it's something like 10 bucks a month or you can do like a hundred dollars for the year but it's digital and you get everything that Marvel publishes digitally, but it's like six months after. And so if Uh, you don't care, if you don't care about keeping up with, you know, reading it right now as it's happening, uh, which it's comic books and it doesn't really matter in this world of binge watching when you can watch any, you know what I mean? Like it's fine. Um, It's a great service. Um, Now that I no longer work there, that's what I do. I pay $10 a month and I can read everything, everything that comes out six months later. Right. And it's really awesome. So how do you balance? Because I know that you love TV as much as me. How do you balance that with TV? Um, I read comics when I can because television is a thing that I can do with my wife. Right. And we mostly watch TV together in the evenings. Um, So there's, you know, like I try and. I'm not as great at reading comics as I was because I, I don't have all day to do it at work. Um, um, but yeah, like I just, I just try and right. pick through a few, you know, and they're not long right. reads. They're, they're only like 20 minutes to read. So like I just try and pick through a few as I can. And I won't lie. Most of the comics that I spend time reading now, are just the Star Wars comics because <laughs> I love Star Wars. Um, <laughs> and, and yeah. So, yeah. Well, uh, I was going to say you're, 
right now what you're doing and we're probably we don't have enough time to talk about that you're you know you're at activision now um and you're working with bungie and you just help them with their line of comics for destiny so everybody that wants to hear more about that they'll just have to wait till the next time we get you on the show because there's that's that's a lot of stuff right there we could talk well probably a lot of stuff we can't talk about too (laughs) (laughs) i will say this um it's uh it's really cool uh video games are so cool right now guys there's there's so much awesome stuff happening and there's so much energy specifically here at activision and bungie um and the destiny franchise is really neat um it's it's just it's amazing to see how storytelling works in this in this extremely visual and interactive medium and and that's the thing that excited me about you know about this this job and and what you know it was a hard decision to leave marvel um but but this was just like a really awesome opportunity to go and to to tell stories in a different way and um you know comics are just a small part of what i'm i'm doing and uh and it's it's just it's it's really cool and you know i i you know one of the the things that you know as we were talking about what we were going to talk about um that I was excited to, to share, you know, you, you asked me about failures. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if you, if this is the kind of the place to go ahead, go to, ahead. To, so one of the things that I, I feel like my career has, has been riddled with is opportunity to, to do things, you know? Um, and, and I, I feel like kind of the big life lesson that I've learned in the last, you know, five years, six years is that, like when an opportunity comes around and you like get that spark of excitement, like you can't be apprehensive about it. You just have to, you have to take the plunge. Um, right. And, and that, and that for me, that's what this, this move to, you know, we were in New York city and now we're in Seattle. Like that was, you, you can't move much farther than that in the United <laughs> States. Um, but we, we were excited at the opportunity and we we're like, we have to, we have to try this. Um, and I don't, I don't know what the future is going to hold. I don't know how successful I'm going to be at telling stories in yeah. video games because uh, I've never done it before. Um, but I'm stoked on it. So I, uh, yeah, I, I, I might fail. Uh, I hope I don't. Uh, I don't think I will, but I, I might. Um, right. But we're excited at the uh, at the opportunity to to see what happens. Um, yeah. You know, it's a. Uh what was it um there's like this the anecdote and i don't know where it originates from but you know the guy that at the company loses a hundred million or no probably not a hundred million that's a lot uh let's say a million dollars in one day um and uh in some transaction or something uh some big company and everyone's talking about it and they ask the boss or the manager is like are you gonna fire the guy i was like are you kidding i just spent a million dollars training him yeah uh failure sometimes is the currency at which growth and learning come um if if not from just a cognitive stance like okay i know i shouldn't put my hand on the stove and then you put your hand on the stove because cognitively you don't get it and you're like okay emotionally 
spiritually, mentally, physically, they're all aligned. Do not put your hand on the stove. Or, yeah. And you, you have an experience that teaches you wisdom that maybe you did or didn't know, or you didn't see it from that point of view. Um, yeah. So it, it, I've been trying to understand that in my own life. So how did you not like the last Jedi? <laughs> Yoda says that. He says, he says failure. The best teacher is, he says that. So, uh, and then, and he also then said, page turners, they were not. And I was like, what did he just say? <laughs> page okay. turners, they were not. Do you want me to blow your mind? Oh, uh, okay. Blow my mind. All right. Listen, he was being a crackpot right there. Right. And he's making okay, jokes. Yeah. He's making jokes about the sacred Jedi texts. Right. Right. And right. then he burns down the tree. Right. Right. He knew that the texts were not in the tree. He knew that Ray had already taken them. He was messing with Luke again. <laughs> he was messing with Luke, and it's so great. That's the- I didn't know that she took the texts. Yoda, I didn't, that- Yoda knew. You tell me that Yoda didn't know that she had taken the texts already. <laughs> I didn't catch that in the movie. Did they show her with the Yes, with the dude. When, oh, when, when Finn pulls the blanket out to give it to Rose when they're on the Falcon later. Right. You can see the text oh, in the drawer. Oh, yeah. That's what that was, that focus on. Okay, but the, I struggled so bad with the way that movie ended because it was just so weird with, like, the kids back at the the place where they saved all the animals. And then he he's out there. He does, he does a force pulse. You're like, okay, so he's, like, going to be a future Jedi. And then he, like, throw, puts his ring up at the sky. I was like, what am I watching? Anyways. Look, man, it's it's the it's the metaphor. It's everything's changing, right? I, but they could have done that and not. Uh, it just felt very sentimental. It, it was. <laughs> it was. It was. Uh. uh anyways, I, I if if a flash costume had jumped out of that ring, that would have just made it even better. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that makes no sense. Oh my uh, god. No. It, it doesn't, but it would have been awesome. Because uh, then Disney would have gotten into the DC game as well. Well, we'll see what happens <laughs> with that. Yeah. But back with video games and, and movies, I feel like DC doesn't even need to worry about the cinematic universe. Because it's like, guys, go watch the cut. It's on YouTube. People splice together the cut scenes from like Injustice 2. I watched it. It's like two and a half hours long, and I loved it. Best DC movie. Right. Best DC movie I've ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I haven't even played Injustice 2. Neither have I. Yeah. I I played the first one, and it was actually really good. And you know what? DC is, like, killing it on their their, uh, TV shows. Their TV shows are great. Um, I, yeah. I think they're crazy for having cast anyone else in their films. They should have just like made their TV cast their their movie Justice League and let that. I didn't watch Justice League. I couldn't do it because Man of Steel <laughs> and and Donna Justice were so bad. I refused to watch Suicide Squad. Um, I don't know. 
Wonder Woman was yeah. great, though. Wonder Woman was a yeah. really good movie. Like, it wasn't just like, oh, it was fine. No, like, it was a great movie. It was it was good. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I've, I still haven't seen that one. Um, I've watched all the other ones that you have. <laughs> but that's funny. I've missed out on the greatest on the greatest movie they've made. Um, yeah, Justice League was it, was it was. I was actually surprised. I came in there with below sea level expectations, mm-hmm. so that that helps. Um, but but and, how is yeah. that a way to to like? I never want to go into not. movie expecting that it's going to be not. bad and then go. Oh, it was fine. You know, I expected it's it to not. be horrible, yeah. so it was it was fine. <laughs> it's not but you know my dad is paying for the ticket and <laughs> um yeah i think uh in this in this day of, of of so much media and marvel started doing this and i felt like they stopped and i'm I made it really sad so they they had the movies that they were creating and at first I didn't realize when I was watching it that Iron Man, that Captain America, that Thor were 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 linked together legitimately. Mm-hmm. I was still coming out of the 2000s in this separate world where um, the Daredevil movie and X-Men and Spider-Man, they don't talk to each other. Right. Um, completely different. And so then I saw they're making Avengers. And I was like, oh, boy, they're going to have a hard time fitting all these guys in the same movie. And I went and saw Avengers and I crapped my pants. I was like, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. I did not expect mm-hmm. it. And uh, <laughs> and then they started doing Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I was like, holy crap. Like, I get to see Avengers weekly um, mm-hmm. or like the universe. And it, it did start out that way, like before every movie even leading up to the second Avengers movie, they kind of had like this kind of buildup where the universe was connected. But since then, I felt like they've diverged the storylines for like uh, agents of shield and the rest of uh, the, the universe, like even the, the Netflix Punisher and defenders series. Right. And I kind of want to see more crossover because that's what makes it exciting for me for me personally as a viewer. Yeah. Um, yeah. Totally agree. Yeah. I, I, so Marvel, I, if you're listening, I have, <laughs> I have nothing, I have nothing that I can add to that. Um, I did. Yeah. I, I totally agree. I, I kind of stopped watching agents of shield because it seemed like it's didn't matter anymore. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, this this recent. So I've I've been, I've invested enough that I can't pull out. So <laughs> um, <laughs> I've been watching the this seasons and the uh, oh gosh, it, you probably didn't watch the Inhumans series, did you? No, I could not make it past a second episode. Oh, I was so depressed. <laughs> <laughs> That's sad. <laughs> Uh, just the the acting and the writing it may not even the acting it just been came down to the writing um uh, anyways i won't say any more we're said enough about that but um with this latest episode or season of shield it's like quake daisy johnson sky whatever you can call her you know that she apparently broke apart the world and we don't know that yet but everyone's like talking about everyone's hero quake i'm like 
Quake was everybody's like hero. What about Thor and Iron Man and all the Avengers? <laughs> you know, like Thanos can't destroy Earth, but Quake can. What? <laughs> <laughs> It's like they don't exist, and it it it, it does kill the connected cinematic yeah. universe experience. But, anyways, um, shoot, dude, I I don't want to keep you on here for too much, for more than uh, than we can. Have. I think we're. I think my brain is the point where. <laughs> I've I've dug as deep into the nerdum as I can. Um. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I again I go. I don't know what else interesting I have to say that uh, that kids and you know our wives because they're the ones who are into this. Uh, could, oh, could want to. oh, don't say that. <laughs> don't say that. <laughs> uh, my wife's the only one who listens to anything I say, um, and and now you. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I just I don't know what else interesting I could possibly have to say at this point. Um, yeah. Well, I I do have other questions that I could ask and probably will ask in future calls because um, uh, there's plenty of interesting stuff that you can say. You just don't realize it. And like, you know, you're an editor at Marvel. Well, I'm like your editor. I'm here to pull out your story. So oh, there you go. Nice. nice. <laughs> You've officially been edited. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for coming on and being a part of this. Everybody that's listening, all five of you, according to Charles, (laughs) (laughs) I hope we got something out of it and I hope we're going to tell five more people, each of you. Um, But uh, I've learned so many nuggets of truth out of this. I'm going to go back and listen to this again, maybe again. You probably are. Make sure that you didn't release any secrets in here that we have to redact yes <laughs> yes before i publish anything i'll, I'll definitely <laughs> let you go through this so you guys will get the censored version um but uh have a great evening get ready for your new year's enjoy your time with your family yeah man you too thanks so much for having me on this is really fun um i'm happy to do it anytime i love talking about uh about nerd stuff and I love talking about like uh, you know just like the creative process. All right. Okay. Happy Later, New Year's. Man. Happy New Year's. Woo! Yeah, buddy. Thank you. A big, big thank you to Charles for making the time between Christmas and New Year's Eve to do this episode. Thank you so much. This was a great conversation for me and. I'm really hoping that we get to have a return episode with Charles with some questions that you, the listeners, ask. Our next episode, like I said, this is kind of a coincidental, unplanned two-part series um, with people in comic books. The next episode is going to be with Gabe Gilcom, and I'll explain more about who he is when that episode comes out in the intro, but be on the lookout for that. And... Uh, want to make sure that I plug our Facebook page, please go out there, search for it, Creative Calls Podcast, um, like it, follow it, share it across your networks and help us gain more traction and some listenership. Um, also, comment on episodes, let me know what you would want to hear more about from each guest and 
follow-up interviews. We have the first one, two, three, three episodes up there. Andy, Dylan, Rachel, and now, <clears throat> now with Charles. And every uh, episode should be posted on there. So just go comment, say, hey, I want more of this, less of that. And I'll be sure to apply some, <laughs> some of those. <laughs> Probably not all of them. I don't respect all of your opinions. I'll, I'll try to apply as many of them as I possibly can. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you so much for caring. But most of all, thank you for creating. Get out there, be creative, test your abilities, improve them, refine them. And then, hey, go on the Facebook page and share them. Until next time, this is David Myers. Have a wonderful January.